You're listening to the Felony Inc. Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Inc. Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. The Felony Inc. Podcast airs live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Now please settle in, enjoy. It's time for the Felony Inc. Podcast. My gosh, all on, here we are again, once again, in the studios in downtown Portland, Oregon. It has been a good while now, hasn't it? A yes. year and a half, maybe? That's right. Wow. <laughs> Man. Dude, your responsibility is blowing my mind. I'm You're- telling you. I've You're, never had this res- much responsibility in my life. I can see the weight on your shoulders just... It's heavy. Man, gravity. Dude, it's heavy. You're getting buffed, though, finally. I'm telling you. Sitting well, in the important chair. <laughs> well, good morning and welcome to the Felony Inc. Podcast, live from downtown Portland, Oregon, and brought to you by Startup Radio Network. I'm Lad Justison, and each week we interview formerly incarcerated men and women, and in this case today, kind of a cross between, who have turned their lives around and started successful businesses. The original host of our program is Dave Dahl of Dave's Kilobread. Uh, he was able to turn his life around and make the best bread in the world. His turnaround story has inspired many, and we hope that today's guests will do the same. Before I get to our guests, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Mark Gailey, owner of Murder, Inc. Tattoo Paula right here in downtown Portland. What's up? And a fine example of a formerly incarcerated knucklehead that was able to turn his life around. Mark, what the heck's going down? Yeah, I'm still turning my life around. <laughs> it's never ending. You got to keep going. <laughs> It's a struggle. It's a four-wheel drive uh, Baja run. Four-wheel drive Baja. Wow, you know, you hit a bump <laughs> in the road, you just got to keep, you got to keep that steering wheel going That's straight. That's right, and the pedal right to the floor. Yeah, keep it floored. Big wheels. Yeah. Keep on turning. Man. That's not, I better not sing. <laughs> you know what, I'd like to give a little bit of update on uh, what's happening for the Killer Granddaddies tomorrow, Saturday. Yes. We are fortunate enough to be playing for an old employee of Dave's Killabred, Gabriella. Uh, she wanted us to come and jam for her school's parent appreciation night. So we'll be there tomorrow night. We'll be jamming with the Killer Granddaddies and a couple guest singers with us as well. And then, earlier in the day, I'm going to be singing at uh, former guest Michelle Honeman. Her wedding will be You're singing? tomorrow. Yes. By yourself? By myself, me so, and Lenny. A cappella? Well, with my guitar. Oh, I'm going to be there probably, I hope. <laughs> so when you eventually get married, Mark, okay, I'll sing at your wedding. How's that? Okay, what about my birthday? It's coming up. That's what I'm thinking. When is your birthday? <laughs> December 15th. That's not coming I up. That's... Be like- that's we got half a year away, dude. Well, with you, i got to plan ahead, so... Man. Time flies. I'm telling you. Well, you know what? I'm going to be like 33. <laughs> 33 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Plus 50. Right. That's accurate, actually. Wow. Plus two. Alon, do you have anything to say about all this? I had a friend that was 33 for three years. She just told everyone she was 33 for three years. 
and everyone believed her, right? Because how old are you? I'm 33. I mean, people aren't like, show me your ID or whatever. But that's such an arbitrary kind of number. I don't yeah. know where I pulled that out from. Wow. 33, it, that's my new lucky number. Dude, that's some serious uh, Illuminati stuff right there. Right. Yes, it is. My, my, well, friend, my friend Lenny. He just got chills. He, right. he did the same thing on Facebook. You know, he, he put his age as like 10 years younger than what he was. So he could hopefully attract, you know, somebody. <laughs> That's a pretty wide net on Facebook. Oh. Man, it didn't work. So hopefully you attract somebody. I'm attracted to Lenny. So somebody, Lenny, if you're out right, there, it works. I like you. Right. Lenny's an attractive guy. I, I like you, Lenny. What do you think, Todd? Lenny attractive? I, I, I'm going to have to hold off since I've not really, you know, met Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say yes okay. just on principle, since no. <laughs> he seems to get a lot of votes for the positive. He's all charisma. There you go. <laughs> well, you know what? On that note, you know what? We have a, a, a guest in the house who has already been on the show once. Great guy. Um, he has multiple talents um, and just an amazing guy. And become a true friend uh, to me and Dave and the rest of the guys here all on and the rest of the people here in the, in the studio. Todd Brown is here in studio. TB. Yep. And it's actually my third appearance because I had to stand in one time when you were absent. That's right. So I was, I was a guest host. That's right. I just did my best to stay out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do that. Not anymore. So you know what, why don't we just uh, remind the guests a little bit about where you came from, um, how you got all the inspiration for uh, the things that you're currently doing in life. After, well, I did uh, 13 years at EOCI, and I just, while I was there, I decided that I had to come out better than I went in. Um, I took pretty much every program they had, and I took them seriously instead of going in with the approach of, well, this will just keep my counselor off my back. And the first couple uh, that I went through pointed out some pretty glaring deficiencies in my uh, personal sort of mentality about how I dealt with things. So I made some changes, but I knew, um, I've known for years that I wanted to be a writer, and I've had a lot of people tell me, you're wasting your time, that's never going to happen, and just forget about it, including a couple of ex-wives. And I just decided while I was there, since I had time on my side, I would start working on it. So I started tinking away, and then I took a class. Uh, they were doing some college program work out there, and I had the teacher come in one time for a creative writing course, and she said, I want all of you guys to just stop trying to impress me with what you think I want to read as a college instructor and write something that's fun, something that's, that, that does it for you. This is creative writing. Stop giving me symbolism and all this other garbage. So I went back to my cell and I wrote this little short zombie story because I'd always been a fan of the genre, turned it in, and then next class, at the end of class, she's handing papers back and she looks over at me and she goes, Mr. Brown, could you stay? And you never want to hear that inside. No. <laughs> You're just I like, um... It's like the principal's office. No, not really. I don't want to <laughs> stay. The, captain, the yeah. captain's office. <laughs> yeah, I just was like... Found this something is, in your cell. <laughs> this isn't going to go well. And so when everybody leaves, she goes, why aren't you writing more of this? And I was like, what? And she goes, this is amazing. You had me hooked in, you know, one page. You made me care about the characters by the time that you had finished up this little teeny five-page short that you wrote. Why aren't you doing more? And I was like, zombies have been done. Romero did it. I mean, his Dawn of the Dead was sort of, the, it was the movie that I saw in the 70s that, that hooked me into the genre. 
and really kind of the only one that was, you know, that most people in, that are fans of that sort of thing knew about. And I just told her, I said, it's been done. And she's like, okay. And at the time, there was a brand new book series out. And she goes, there's this new book called Twilight. You're going to tell me that vampires have been done? This lady's cleaning up with a vampire story. Vampires are not done. So I said, all right, what the heck, I'll do it. Started writing it, sending it home to my wife, and she actually started posting it online, and all of a sudden we had 10,000 followers. Wow. Um, and I was writing it as a daily journal. So we called it Zomblog, and it picked up an audience, which surprised me, and then we got an offer to publish it. Right before it was supposed to go to press, they sent us an email and said, yeah, we want to rework this contract. We want more, and we want to give you less. I was like, no, I wasn't going to... Yeah, exactly. Fuck you. I was like, I wasn't going to publish this anyway, so no, I'm not doing it. And in 2009, I got called over to pick up a book right around Christmas time over at D2, and it was my wife had compiled Zomblog into book form and published it and sent it in. Holy moly. And so for Christmas... Is this day, still yeah. why you're still in prison? <laughs> this was while I was still in, yeah. That's incredible. I go pick it up, right? I pick it up and I go, oh my God, this is my book. And of course, you know... I just got chills. The guard being the guard, he goes, yeah, that's why we called you. And I said, no. And I flipped it open and there's a picture of me out on the East Yard that she had used, you know, that she had cropped down and everything. I said, no, this is my book. Yeah. I don't remember anything about the walk back to my cell. I mean, I just, I'm sitting there holding this thing, looking at it going, oh my God. I'm published, you know, I mean, and I really, I mean, it was overwhelming. So it was the best Christmas present ever, you know, and I started getting more and more encouraged to write more. So I just kept pouring away at it and I'd send pages home. She'd type them, send them back. By the time I got out, I think I had five completed. And series? We, uh, yeah. So we had two different series running. And what was funny was Zomblog was never intended to be anything, but I ended up getting sort of push to write another and then another. And I wrapped it up in the third book, calling it the final chapter. And I said, I'm done. And then I got an email from some work crew over in London saying, look, everybody on our crew signed this petition for you to write more in that series. <laughs> and I was like, well, these are the people I work for. So I wrote three more. So Zomblog ended up being six books long, but it wasn't what I wanted. What I wanted to write was the Dead series, which... To me, at the time, zombies were still—we we were still pre-Walking Dead, so the only thing that had really hit was World War Z. I love that. As a book, not the ruined movie version. Oh, I love the ruined movie version. The, the book is amazing. They took about seven pages of the book and turned it into a two-hour movie. Okay. So the, the book was epic, and it's actually written by Max Brooks, who's related to Mel Brooks. Um, and it stayed on top of the New York Times bestseller list. I mean, they did, it did really well. It was encouraging. And then Kirkman— got signed with Walking Dead to AMC and changed the whole landscape because all of a sudden zombies became popular. I mean, they, and they did, and they've stayed that way. That series has really changed the landscape for that. You could go onto Amazon pre-Walking Dead and find, because I'd read them all, about a dozen zombie books at that, in I would say probably around 2001, 2003, around that time. And now there's hundreds of thousands and a lot of them are really bad. They're they're independent, which I'm not saying independents are bad because I'm independent. But this there's there was one that was after I finished it, I was like, I'm better than this guy. I know I am. And so I wanted to write something that wasn't 
a dumbed down, rebooted version of a Romero story, and I wrote the Dead books and learned a lot in between from book one to book three. I learned a lot. Book one, I just I got lucky that it got an audience because there's a lot of mistakes as far as story. Um, I had one idea that in my brain played well, on paper didn't, um, and that was the book came out and it's in three rotating chapters. So you've got a first-person chapter and then a chapter that's about these four guys. I call them the geeks, and they thought the apocalypse would be great and found out really fast that it sucked. Um, and then I had vignettes in between that were just supposed to be like the cartoon middle. problem with that was it gave people all these character names that meant nothing because they were only there for one page, so it was confusing. But I learned and I honed what I was doing, and then Amazon started the KDP program in 2011. By then, I'm out. You know, I'm living at home. And I'm delivering the Oregonian at night and throwing phone books during the day. And because, you know, when you come out, you better have the mentality of do whatever you can to pay the bills. You're not too proud to take any job. Right. So, you know, I, I was working. I cleaned the, restrooms. Yeah. Seven days a week, you know, hours and hours and hours for next to nothing. But it was work and I was bringing home money and that's what mattered. And Amazon started this KDP program, which meant if you kept your digital version exclusive to them for 90 days, you could have five days that you could make your book free, and it would get a little bit of an Amazon boost promotionally. If that's your only book, it's a stupid marketing tool. But if you have a series, like I had two series at the time, the Dead series was taking off now, and Zomblog was wrapped up and done. Uh, it's a throw book one out, see if you can lure people in. And I had people saying, yeah, I gave away 500 books this weekend. I was like, all right. I'm going to do this. And my wife was dead set against it. She's like, I don't want to be exclusive to Amazon. I said, we're not selling in any other platform. She goes, fine. We both agree Zomblog to throw away, right? And I go, yeah. She goes, do Zomblog. So I threw it out there for the weekend, didn't promote it, didn't say anything about it. And I'm throwing phone books in Sandy when she calls me. And I wanted to do 500 because that was the number I was getting a lot of responses about. People were saying four to 500 that they gave away. And she goes, what was your goal? And I said, 500. She goes, yeah, you're over 700 now. And it's 8 in the morning on the first day of the promo. Wow. By the end of the weekend, it did 10,000 units. All right. Look, I want to go back just a little bit mm -hmm. because, you know, the, the, the guys and gals listening, hopefully, that are in prison to, uh, to your story. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing, Todd, what you've done. I mean, you're just like Dave, you know, created something out of nothing. But go back to those classes you were telling us earlier mm -hmm. about when you were in prison and the significance of those classes and what type of classes they were that gave you that thought pattern that, you know... All those years you weren't doing anything, all of a sudden you realized, you know what, I, yeah. I think I can. And, and that was what was crazy was when I went into those classes, I went in with the same mindset a lot of people had. You're not going to tell me something about myself. I mean, really? You're not going to one-size-fits-all me. But I took the Breaking Barriers program, the Pathfinders program, um, and then there was a Cognitive Skills program, mm -hmm. and then an Anger Management class. Through all of these, I started learning where I was coming in with all these patterns, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's me. I do that. I totally do that. After three divorces, you have to think maybe there's something. <laughs> maybe you have a little fault in the, in the game. And so I started taking these things and actually got eventually um, requested to become a facilitator. So I facilitated for four years. Uh, before I moved on to a different program when they changed department heads. Pathfinders? Uh, yeah, when Randy Bale left EOCI, I, I, I left out of that program. So um, he was instrumental for bringing me in, and he really believed in the system. And when he talked to you, you could tell. 
he wasn't just the civilian guy coming in, blowing smoke up your butt, and he would be the first to say, I can't identify with the situation you guys are each in because you're all in an individual situation for one. And for another, I've never been where you're at. I'm not wearing those clothes. So he was real upfront about that. And he wanted to know from you what worked. And he made a really strong program out there, and I believed in it. And so I started studying it, and then once I started facilitating it, you have to live it every day because you're going to walk by guys that are in your class where you, and, and you're just a facilitator. You're just there to hand out pages, and but you've got to be some kind of an example if you're doing it. And so you don't want to act like a you know like a meathead when you're out away from things. And so it really made me conscious about every decision that I made, and I just started absorbing that stuff. I mean, my wife and I talk about it now. She would never have been able to exist with the person I was before. Um, it's the person I became from those programs because I took them seriously. And I had to face a lot of guys that were there because their counselors made them come. And Measure 11 was a big reason why they didn't care because they weren't getting any good time out of the program. So they would just sit there with their arms folded, not do the assignments, not care. But then they would leave because, like I said, I was there for 13 years. And then they would be back. And I'd see them in my class two years later. And I'm like, I thought you got out. Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that thought, you know what? Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about how those particular classes eventually changed my life. But first, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startupradio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. You know, Mark, I know that you know how I feel on this particular subject because when we were in there, you know, I had a significant amount of time to do. And when I first got in there, um, they asked me to start taking the programs, Todd, that you and, and uh, Knucklehead over here started taking, Breaking Barriers, Pathfinders, mm -hmm. all those different things. I really didn't want to do it. I didn't you know? either. And uh, my counselor told me, you know what, you're, you're going to have to do it. Um, because down the road, you're going to have to see the parole officer and, I mean, the parole board, and they're going to determine, you know, whether you can get out or not. And having all this under your belt um, is going to help you at that point. You know, but had such a long time, I mean, it's a long ways down the road, you know. I'm thinking, I just want to go out in the yard and play basketball and goof off, you know. But I decided to go ahead and start taking these classes. And it was funny because, you know, I'd take you know, these drug and alcohol classes, you know, one point, and, and I would go out on the yard that night and, you know, fire up a joint and get stoned, right? I mean, it was so ironic. But the thing is, down the road, you're learning this stuff no matter 
you, whether you think you are or not. You can go in that class and you can kick your feet out and cross your arms and, you know, be the negative guy in the class and, and uh, you know, just discount everything that everybody's saying in there. But you're hearing this stuff. So down the road when I decided, you know what, I think uh, I, this is not for me. I don't want to be here anymore. And I do want to take the chance of getting out of here. Um, so it was actually a change of heart that enabled me to use all that information that was given to me in all those classes to start making the right choices. How was that for you, Todd? It was it was huge because especially when it talked about dealing with your relationships and how you dealt with people and people that you said you loved and cared for, and you start seeing how you know you were always putting. I was always. I found out that I was a kitchen sink arguer. You know, that was one of the things that you learned in this class, and I'd never even heard it before. But all of a sudden, I use—I can tell you something that you did seven months ago that has nothing to do with what we're arguing about right now. But by the time it's done, it's all about that thing. I'm no longer the bad guy. You've done it, and eventually, you're going to say you're sorry, and then we're all fine and good. And my thing just went away. And I learned that I used methods like that. I was also really harsh with my words. People said that I had the ability to cut you 20, 30 times before you knew you were bleeding and step away and you would just crumble. Um, and those were all things that I used on a regular basis with people that I said I cared about. And when I'm seeing them demonstrated and talked about on paper and then having to write out an exercise about it and putting myself in those positions and then remembering when I did it. Because you can lie to yourself and not write anything. But if you're going to make a change, you have to be honest. And you know if you're lying to yourself. So I started getting real honest with myself, and it was it was ugly. I mean, it was really bad. I realized that I had three divorces, and none of those ex-wives heard the words, I'm sorry, ever come out of my mouth. Ever. And that is, you know, you're not always right. Those words have to come out eventually. And so I learned about that sort of thing and didn't just apply it to... My, my marriage, I applied it to how I was existing around other people and trying to be more empathetic towards other people's situations instead of it all being about my situation and how I can get one step further by stepping on your neck, you know, and it did make a big difference. Well, you know, Dave always says that, you know, the, the, one of the big changing points in his life was that he was finally able to just accept who he was. You know, no more, no less. You know, it was just Dave, you know. And when he was able to do that, you know, he uh, he always talks about the um, how he had actually gained empathy for the guards. Because, you know, the guards in there. Oh, yeah. You know, some of those guys are good people. You know, and some of them um, really have a heart and, you know, for the inmates. But other guys come in there with kind of a bad attitude, you know, and it makes your day bad. Because mm -hmm. you know when this guy's on, oh, my gosh. you know, He's on my unit. It's, <laughs> this guy's on my unit. It's not going to be such a good day. Yep. But then when you start looking at the fact that, you know what, maybe that guy's not having a great life, you know, out there in the streets or whatever. And, you know, he comes in here, you know, and this place has an effect on us, maybe it's having that same kind of effect on him. But when you can empathize with other people, it, it becomes real, you know? Yeah, and if you, do your, if you do your time there in a way that's not drawing attention to yourself, there's plenty of other guys that are going to take that dude's attention that you don't have to worry about anymore. So you don't have to, you know, it's not like you have to be some sort of 
you know, suck up or any of that other stuff. You just have to do your thing in a way that keeps you level. Right. You know, because there's always going to be the clowns that are going to get that attention. That was Mark. Yeah, I Mark. can see that. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he definitely <laughs> stood out on the yard. Absolutely. You know? It took all the pressure off. There's oh, guys yeah. that would show up on the unit and you'd be like, I hate that guy. And he'll probably be here two weeks. So yeah. I just ignore it. You know, he's not going to be here long. He'll be in the bucket. You yeah. know, and sometimes he wouldn't even make it to the first challenge. Yeah, so, the guards spent all their attention on that guy yeah. because they knew that he was up to something, and then Mark eventually would, you know, bust it and go to the hole. And it's a, go to the hole, I get out, and yeah, yeah. It's, and see, it's allowed me now because, um, in fact, uh, unfortunately, I was supposed to go this weekend because they have a suicide prevention walk in uh, Sandy Am, and it's the same weekend that my Newfoundlands are doing their draft card certifications, so I won't be able to make it, but. I do a regular uh, appearance with the business in the box crew at Sandy Am. Oh yeah, great. I yeah, that's it's, a great. I want to go back now, and I've done a couple of appearances at EOCI, just talking about making your time work for you. You know, because that was the other thing is sitting in the day room every day writing. Pretty soon, I had people walking up to me, you know, and being like, well, "What are you actually doing?" And I'd tell them, and they'd be like, "Oh." And some of them would walk away. But I had one guy that walked up to me and asked, and he's like, look, what I'm doing is not working. So maybe you could tell me what it is you're doing, and maybe I can figure this out. So he started writing, and actually my wife got him published and sent his book into him while he was inside. He was able to take it to his board. He had no date. But once he started down this road, he started really being conscious about all of his decisions and he and I now, his family and mine get together on Thanksgiving. He's out now, and That's he had awesome. no date. He was in on a murder beef with no date, and he's out. Well, you, you know, Todd, that you know, when you're in there, when you first get in there, you're really just kind of drifting. You don't, you don't really know everything. You know, is new and kind of weird and, and degrading. You know, the you whole say trip. It's more you like know. pinball. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, <laughs> but when you finally find something. That starts to bring you on track. It's a life changer. Yes, because it becomes more important and you start seeing, because a lot of the people that you see in there that you think matter, you start realizing they don't care about you once you're out of sight. They're not, you know, I mean, we've all done it. So how many times have each of us heard, bro, when I get out, I'm putting some money on your books. Oh, yeah. Dude, how much of us could go to Christmas canteen with anything they brought us? Nothing. Nothing. You know, it just doesn't happen. I have one person that I have, he was my celly for almost eight years, and we're still in touch. He's still inside, and we still talk three or four times a year. But I told him when I left, dude, I'm probably not going to send you money. If I do, it's going to be a fluke. And you'll hear from me on holidays and maybe your birthday. Yeah. And it's good. Well, you know, that's the, it's the honest thing. You know, I mean, I, I did the same thing. You know, I, I had some friends in there and, you know, um, um, care for them greatly. Uh, they were there for me. You know how your friends are there. Yep. You know, it, it's a troubling time, you know. It's like being in war, you know, kind of. And uh, you get really attached to these guys that are there for you, you know, in one way or another. And, you know, when you walk the yard and, and uh, whatever happens on the yard, you know, they're there protect, you know, to protect you and, and yep. vice versa. You know, you're there for them. And, you know, you, you grow some great relationships in there. But getting back to um, the Pathfinders and mm -hmm. stuff. So when you were younger... Did you write at all? I mean, I always wanted to write. In fact, the first thing I ever wrote was in like third grade, 
the teacher wrote three sentences on the board, and she said, pick one and write a one-page story. I wrote the first unauthorized sequel to the original Jaws movie. I wrote the first Jaws 2. It was 12 pages typed, and it starred every single member of our classroom. And I got asked to read it up front, but I still got a B for the project because this instruction said one page. Oh, one page. The, so the, the, I was in a Catholic school at the time, so the nun was like, yeah, I said one page, and you wrote a lot. You didn't so. get your hand hacked with a ruler? Uh, a couple times, yeah, back in the day when you could do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I had, except you, what you had to do is you had to go like this. You put your hand like that, and then they come by and they like that. Oh, yeah. So you had to bend your fingers backwards and then get the swat across your did, palm. Did that any was, guys ever get hacks in school? I used to get hacked. Dude, all the <laughs> time. In the boiler room. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's something I always wanted, and once I was in, I had the time to really focus. But oddly enough, I had written a book before I fell and got a letter while I was in county from an agency out in New York that wanted to represent that book, and I had to write them back and say, yeah, it's not a good time. <laughs> you know, so maybe I'll get in touch with you later, and, you know, I, I didn't. I mean, because zombies took over. I mean, that's the business that was making money, and I, I've tried to write the second book in that series, but I just never find the time. Right. You know, and that's that's one of the things that I learned inside was time management and making things work for you, which is kind of what I go back in there with now. And the message is making your time work for you, and that is because how many guys have we heard say, "I'll do it when I hit the streets." Dude, if you're not going to get your GED now while you're right now. sitting there and it's free, you're mm. not going to do it when yep. you hit the streets. Yeah. I was a tutor. That's what I actually left Pathfinders for is to become a tutor while I was inside and help people get their GEDs. That's and awesome. I, I saw guys that w would go up there and accept their diplomas, and it was I've had guys come up and tell me, dude, I couldn't add or subtract single-digit numbers, and I got my GED today because you never gave up. And I'm like, no, you did all of this. Don't deflect the attention to somebody else. I just showed you the tools you already had. and But it was just, it was great because every quarter we would watch out of EO, we would watch anywhere from 30 to 40 guys grab their GEDs. And there were guys that you remember taking from the pre GED level all the way through. Yeah. And then watch them show up in your class in a college course. You know, that's the best advice that I ever got from somebody in there. You know, um, he told me one time, this guy, uh, this friend of mine, who had been in and out of prison all his life, he says, you know what? He says, there is no magic line at the gate. He says, what you're doing in here is what you're going to be doing out there. So get yourself straight in here, and you'll be all right out there. Yeah, it was the best advice I ever had. I mean, like I say, I had a change of heart. You know, I, I started going to church and stuff. That was my Was it like you know, a aha change. moment? It was, you know, I just, you know how it is, you just, when you're just totally sick of something, mm -hmm. you're just like, wow, this is not going to get me anywhere. I'm in a dead end road. I'm digging a hole. I just need to stop digging. And that was... Oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. That was one of my dad's quotes. Yeah. I love that. So I, I did. And, and uh, you know, I had to change it. And I've been very fortunate, you know, uh, I, I got out and got a couple jobs uh, right away when I got out, um, but was able to come up here in Portland and work for Dave. Life-changing. You know, Dave gave me a lot of opportunities. I'm really thankful for that. But you know what? Anybody, if they put their mind to it, um, can get out and find those opportunities. And well, I know you have. And I want to go back to this little article I read on that you put on your, your uh, website. Mm-hmm. 
And I was telling you earlier, first of all, you're, you're talking about Dave and how good of friends you came with Dave. And seriously, who does that? I mean, who admits that they're even friends, <laughs> friends with Dave? <laughs> <laughs> That's because I don't have a lot of readers on my blog. They more likely read my books. So, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, not getting, I'm not getting too much splash. <laughs> all right. So there was one other thing I read in here that I want to talk to you about. It's kind of cool. You said that in one of your new books that Dave is going to be one of the characters. I am actually going to use him probably about two books down the line. I haven't decided which side of the table I want him on. I'm actually going to talk to him about that and see if he wants to to be sort of... I, I've got an idea for a very shade of gray character. You just don't know if he's going to be a good guy or a bad guy, and I want to keep that mystery for as long as possible. But that's kind of... What I want to do is a thank you because he gave me some really good advice around the same time that that picture was taken because we had him over for dinner and we were sitting around talking and I was actually in the process of considering quitting writing. Wow. I'd had some really bad things going on, some real negativity from uh, an ex-wife and, and it just it got to me so much that I was just like, you know, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do it anymore. And we're sitting at the dinner table and he goes, wait a minute. Why does that person matter? They're not in your life anymore. Why? I thought writing was your dream. And I said, well, it was. He goes, no, it is. Not was, it is. Do you still love it? And I go, well, of course I do. He goes, then why are you going to let somebody else make that decision for you? Why are you going to let somebody else tell you what dream to chase? You decided to make this path your own. Why stop now and let somebody that doesn't matter change that for you? That's right. And so I said, okay. And actually, my next book comes out in June. So um, I'm back to it. I took a break, uh, was building a different brand for a while, and just took a break from the writing to build that brand up. But now that I feel that it's in a good spot, I'm back to writing regularly again. And that's because of a dinner conversation with Dave. With, with Mr. Dahl. Yeah. Oh, so. my gosh. You know, it's weird. I, I always think about that, you know, when... We have thoughts in our head, and, and, you know, if anybody else was to treat us the way we treat ourselves, we would not allow it. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. You know, oh, I, I can talk shit to myself in my head so severely that if somebody walked up to me on the streets and started saying those same things to me, you I, <laughs> I would say, what the hell are you doing, dude? You can't say that stuff to me. We do that, and that's just like you in, in, in writing and letting somebody else influence you know what you're doing it's in your head it's not a reality it's just in your head um so you got to move forward and I'm, I'm glad you're doing that because um you know you've just done some great things todd i equated it to what i did inside and that was letting other opinions matter that don't matter you know because one of the things that i taught myself through those classes like pathfinders and breaking barriers is what what truly does matter and you have to look at it as you know the priorities in your life and these people that I was never going to see again, why would their opinions make a difference? That's right. And so he sort of brought that lesson that I'd been trying to hammer into people when I was in Pathfinders back around to me. And I was like, and then I started reflecting on a lot of the stuff that I'd gone through in those classes and told myself, wait a minute, go back to when you made this decision to start this journey. And when you were grateful that you would sell... 10 books in the course of a month from your combined catalog, and then all of a sudden it's a thousand books the day your new title drops, it drops a thousand units, and you're like, okay, 
Yeah, that's game changing. So uh, he he did a lot to remind me of the stuff that I was trying to help other people remember because it's easy for you to forget when you get tunnel vision, and that's the biggest message inside is if you narrow your vision, you, then that's all you're going to see, mm -hmm. you know, and you have to open it up and work on it every single day. Well, you know, Todd, I'd like to ask you about how you came up with the name that you're going to use in that book for Dave Butt. Before we do that, we are going to take a break and we'll be right back. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you easily control just how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com slash startupradio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and you get a $150 credit. You know what, Alon? Every time Dave uh, does that ad, mm -hmm. his, you know, kind of husky voice, oh, yeah. I look over at Mark, and he's just melting. <laughs> it reminds that. me of Dick Sheets from the old KGON days. Yeah. KGON rocks. Yeah. KGON. Mark's like, oh... Oh my gosh, Dave! It's so it's, it's so Dave sultry. in my ear. <laughs> Where are you, Dave? You better be listening. He's looking all around. What? I've taken all what, these hits. Dave? I've taken a lot of hits for you. <laughs> That's true. Lads, Thank you, Mark. Lads, lads, beating me down up here. I'm not beating you down. This is it's reality, something about the brother. chair because weren't you the pinata last time? I was. Every time someone sits in that chair, you're you're gonna get it. You, right. you end up being the pinata. Maybe we should swap. I'm so full of candy, though. <laughs> Is that what's in there? Yeah. Treats. Treats. I'm so full of treats. It's the secret. Let's stay focused, lad. Come yeah. on. For all the guys in prison, uh, Mark is full of Zuzus and Wham Whams. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> all right, let's go back to Todd. Quit goofing off, Mark. Honey buns. <laughs> so I was going to ask Mark, or excuse me, I was going to ask Todd um, how he came up with the name for Dave in his new book. How did you do that? Um, my biggest problem writing stories is not the stories themselves. They flow easily. I don't even have to think. I just go autopilot. I don't believe in outlines because I think it makes your story linear. Um, but naming a character is murder for me. I can't murder. do it. It is. I was I like reading that. your eyebrow, so it, it just came <laughs> to me. But I, I, I'm, I'm stuck when it comes to names. And if I was left to my own devices, there would be, like I said, three Jamies, four Chris's, and a Steve. And I couldn't... Uh, Come up with names, you know. You want to know the coolest name? Saxon. Well, that could be a bad guy because he doesn't sound like he's nice. But oh, he's, he's credible. I had to. I have. I, t I have friends that say because I know a lot of guys in the tribute band scene here in Portland, and a lot of them. When I wrote a book about the tribute scene, um, some of them started becoming characters. They asked if they could be, you know, characters named for them in the books. Um, the guys from Motor Breath of Metallica group, or this evil biker gang out in Carolina. And locally, the New Dead series is actually the main character is Evan Berry, who is the singer for Shoot to Thrill, the ACDC tribute band. Wow. And, but I'll talk to somebody and they'll be going, yeah, you could use my name because this will come up in conversation and I'll say those exact same things and they'll say, well, you could use my name. Okay. So um, I told Dave, I said, you know, you've got, yeah, I mean, Dave Dahl's kind of a fun name to use. I could have fun with that. 
And uh, so when I do that, I'll let you know because I don't want to drop the bomb on you or anything. I said, but then I also might have to have my, I might have to take a picture because I might need an artist rendition for a cover. So. Well, you could uh, always use the cartoon character. The, exactly. Uh, he's got his, he's got an image out there. So. Wow. What about zombie bread? Zo- you know, oh. it's the yeast is alive. <laughs> I love it. That is incredible. Zombie bread. That it would be a great Halloween seller. Wow. So you can use my dead logo because I'll, I'll I'll let you borrow that for free because <laughs> that'll get my logo out there. Zombie bread. Whoa! Oh, I just God. had an epiphany. Wow. So, but it's 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 a lot of fun doing this for a living now. I mean, because writing, like I said, was always a dream, and doing it inside when I was getting nothing. And now doing it outside and being able to, I mean, we, we bought a house. I never owned a new car before. I have a new car. Um, I was able to get my wife a car for our anniversary. That's awesome. Um, and we've never, I mean, when I came out, there was one point where, because my wife's got two master's degrees in accounting, and after the poleaxe on the economy, she couldn't get a job because she was overqualified. So we were living in a really bad apartment complex in Milwaukee where the Clackamas County parked there at night because they knew they'd be there eventually. (laughs) And to take what I was doing inside and buy her a house, we actually moved in on her birthday five years ago. And to get her a house, I mean, I got out in 2011. And we now have a house. We have cars. We have newfies. We have bees. Um... It's, it's insane. It's a life changer, and it all came from just keeping my nose pointed forward and not letting things distract me. Well, you know, that's, that's a great point to, to make to, um, you know, the guys and gals listening in prison is that, you know, you got nothing. You're in there with nothing. Exactly. All you have is your mind and the skills that you have. And you can always think up something. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be this elaborate scheme to, you know, take over Wall Street or whatever. It's just something. And, you know, you need to just put your head to the grindstone and move forward. Like Mark, you know, Mark, believe it or not, when he was in prison, that's kind of what he did. You know, we don't want to tell the guards that he was doing that, but he was doing tattoos. Actually, I, I, got, I focused on my art. Um, I was going to do a skateboard company. But when I got out, everyone just kept hounding me for tattoos. So originally, that was not my thing. Um, I was going to quit tattooing because <laughs> like, <laughs> you'd done it enough. I, with yeah, the I was just. But, you know, it's just like, you know the 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 popularity and the the money and stuff was really good, and I was like going to community college. But you know, um, it was easy for me to get my license. So I was going to have a skateboard company, but I was going to do my artwork on skateboards. I guess I don't know what I was thinking, but I just kept drawing and doing. Well, it's a, it's a lot easier to, to do tattooing out here, you know, instead of, uh, you know, a guitar string and a motor out of a, you know, a Walkman. cassette player. Mm-hmm. There are so many avenues now with the way that the world has changed. Because guys that have been for a long time, especially, are going to come out to massive culture shock. I mean, I had the top-of-the-line computer when I fell, and my phone's more powerful than that by far now. Right, right, yeah. and, But there's so many ways with, with I mean, you've got... YouTube celebrities. I mean, there, but there are ways to do things that if you have a talent and you focus on it and you hone it, there are ways to make it work for you. You just have to find something to apply it to. I mean, you have to be persistent. You can't, yeah. you can't just give up after the first failure. I went through, this is my fifth tattoo shop, and it's finally this one's, you know, this is meant to be. If you want a yes, you have to be ready for 99 no's. 
you have to be ready for 99 no's because you've got to come out knowing that you've already got the deck stacked against you. You've got the big felon check mark and all that other stuff. But if you say, well, that's why I can't do anything, then that's exactly what you'll do. You'll end up in that cycle. But if you say, I'm just going to ex- understand that this was part of my life and I'm going to build on it, then you can move forward. And that's that's what I had to do. And I never forget. I mean, I've still got my ID that they issued me when I came out. It's in a drawer that if I have to open up to grab some stuff, it's there. I see it. It's a reminder. Um, I don't ever want to forget it. And that's also why I stay involved on the inside. When you walk in to go do some of those programs, like go in to see the guys at Business in a Box, you hear that door shut. And you remember what that sounds like. And you're like, oh, oof, I don't like that sound. I don't no. want to ever hear that sound again. You know. And so it's nice to go in and know that I'm leaving by lunchtime, you know, and these guys are going in for, you know, for count time. So it's, you you can't just, you can't forget it. You can't go with this mindset of, oh, I'm going to put all this behind me, just forget about it. No, you build on top of it and make sure that that stays one of the bricks. You don't have to make it your foundation, but keep it as one of the bricks so that you can remember what you don't ever want to see again. That's right. And, you know, one thing that we all got to remember Todd, Mark, me, Dave, is that once we get out and we, you know, we're pursuing what we're doing, don't forget, don't forget about the other guys in the same situation. Dave's, you know, 30% of his company at one point, you know, when he was still at the bakery, had employed ex-felons. So it's something that we, we really don't want to forget about. But Todd, you know, we have just a few minutes left. So what I'd like um, for you to do, if you want to, is just kind of give us, you know, plug yourself right now and give us, let everybody know what you're doing when your book's coming out and so forth. I've got a new book uh, coming out June 1st. Uh, it's titled, it's Dead 4, the new Dead series, Don Evans Must Die. Um, and he's actually the singer for Unchained, so that's fun. <laughs> but uh, I've got that coming out, the new Dead book. Uh, all my stuff is on Audible, and so if anybody that's hearing this has the ability to reach out and send me an email, and it's, I'm easy to find. I'm all over on Amazon.com, so you can find me. If somebody sends me an email, I'll send them any or all. If they want the entire audiobook collection, I right now we just got an influx of uh, free gift codes to give away. So anybody that says they heard it here hits me up. They can have one, two, or I think I have 38 titles out now. So, so we find most of your stuff on Amazon? I'm all over Amazon and I'm all over Audible. Um, but I write every but, day. But you're not exclusive to Amazon. No, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> nice. Um, but I'm there. You can find me there. And just, I, I'm I'm easy to get a hold of. I, like I said, I work with the business in a box guys down at San Am. I stay very tight into that program. And that's it. I mean, I write... I work, I produce audiobooks, and that keeps me so busy. I don't have time to do anything. Who does the stupid. voice for your audiobooks? Uh, currently, me. Oh, well, lads. What about me? I, I, I got a good voice. You have a <laughs> lovely voice. You have a good singing voice. I've heard you guys. I went down to one of the clubs. <laughs> Dude, you guys they're performed. my favorite band. I can't, you know, it's not just because I know them, so, I fell in love with them. I went down and seen them, but it's. Well, it's it's great, and I love being here. I'll come back anytime, and it's just always, a, like I said, stay positive and do what you're supposed to be doing, and you'll be out here too. All right. You know, all on, we just got to thank this guy, Todd Brown. He's first time he was on here and then a guest host, and now he's back again. He's doing the right thing. We're proud of you. Stay up. Nice meeting you, Todd. Keep yeah, doing you it. You too. Yeah, good to see you again, man. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we'd also like to thank our producer, Mark Grimes. Uh, he's kind of a funny-looking guy, and his sidekick, Michael Cokes. And uh, once again, our undernourished sound guy, Alan. Alan. And we'll see you next week on Felony Geek. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.